HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Consider Bardwell Farm, a sustainable pasture-based dairy farm. For more information, visit considerbardwellfarm.com. Hi, this is Katie Kiefer from What Doesn't Kill You, Food Industry Insights, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. W.C. Fields once said, all roads lead to rum. But my guests today found out that all roads lead to Havana and rum, of course. And we'll hear all about it today on A Taste of the Past. My name's Jean Danger, and I'm the beverage director at Cienfuegos. Today we're going to be making a classic mojito. I learned a lot about this drink on my trip to Cuba. I went to visit the town of Cienfuegos. We were in search of the perfect daiquiri. Instead, we came away with the perfect mojito. One ounce of lime juice. Fresh lime juice is always key. Three quarters an ounce of cane syrup. I love the flavor and the texture. It gives this double duty. Two ounces of white rum. A handful of mint we'll put in the other tin. A couple pebbles of ice. We're gonna give it one good press with a muddler. You don't wanna muddle it too much. You want just the nice freshness. It's not to become too vegetal. Another little bit of pebbled ice. We'll give it a whip shape. We'll transfer shaking tin, mint and all, into the glass. Get all those good leaves out of there. You'll take a spoon or the straw, whatever you have handy, and press down the mint leaves so you have a nice layer on the bottom. You get your pebble ice or cracked ice, fill in on top, press that down. We just need a little splash of club soda. Get a straw in. We're gonna take some of the nice mint tops that we've reserved when you pick the leaves off of the bottom. You give them a good whap. 
in the palm of your hand to get all of the oils and the aroma out. Put them right next to the straw so when you take a sip, you get a nice big whiff of that minty green goodness. There you are, classic mojito. Mmm, and that is a classic and sounds good. Wish I had one right now to drink. Well, just as there was the tradition for centuries to gather around punch bowls to share friendships and tales, today we tend to gather around cocktails and cocktails that represent centuries of history, such as that mojito. And what better than classic cocktails? But what really makes a true classic cocktail, indisputable classic cocktail. Well, according to uh, mixologist and cocktail historian Dave Wondrich, he says it has to meet three criteria. It has to have some kind of history. It has to have achieved lasting popularity or fame. And it has to taste great. And he says, okay, not just... Not just bewitching and delightful, but irresistible, whatever it is. And that mojito certainly sounded irresistible. My guests today are Jane Danger, who you heard mixing that wonderful cocktail, and Alalev Bapushik, who are owners of Cienfuegos Rum Bar. Uh, it's a, a tropical gathering place in Manhattan's East Village. And they're here with me today to talk about their book, Cuban Cocktails. In that book... They have recreated the elegance and vibrant energy of Cuba's rich history and culture in all kinds of stories and histories about, indeed, classic cocktails. Welcome to both of you. Hi. Hi. <laughs> and so when I read that, what really makes a classic cocktail? Do you agree? Oh, definitely. Yeah, it has to taste good, stay in power, uh, during the have hate. a little story behind it? Yeah, definitely. You know, a lot of these Cuban cocktails have great stories. The trouble you find, as I'm sure Wondrich will let you know, is the problem when these drinks are being created, you are also drinking them. So some of the histories can be a little <laughs> hazy. Uh, so you, we try to do our best and go back and you look to see where is the first date that this is ever noted and being written about? What is the first book this is in or the first magazine article? Uh, but it's it's kind of hard to tell who you get the first credit to, like the Martini, the Manhattan. Those are going back there. Right. Or in the case of the Cuban cocktails, El Presidente. Yes. That's, you pretty much have that documented, I think. Yeah, as close as we could get, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell me, now this this bar that you own, um, Cienfuegos, you own that together with Ravi de Rossi. And um, what? Tell me, tell me about the bar. Tell me about what... How you got there? Why Cuban cocktails? And what started all that? Well, Ala was actually on a bit before I was. She had worked on quite a few projects with Ravi, um, and they definitely had a vision. Yeah, um, Ravi, he was very partial to rum, so we decided to use that as a starting point and focus on rum cocktails. And rum and Cuba are so intertwined. Um, it just kind of was a natural progression to this sort of Cuba-centric rum bar. Wow. Uh, and now, Ali, you've moved on to uh, to whiskey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and focusing on whiskey at some whiskey bars, right? Yeah, uh, post office in Williamsburg and OTB. 
Okay. So. And uh, and Jane, you are the beverage director for Cien Fuegos. Yes, and okay. Mother of Pearl. There's another the mother, bar. Okay. We're in the same complex as Amoria Margo, so we've got like a little Hogwarts of cocktail bars <laughs> in the corner of six and eight. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. The the yes, the attendees of Hogwarts grow up. Right? Oh yes, and get um, drunk. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, in. Then, but you then took a trip together to Cuba. So, what, how did that how did that change your lives and and change anything about what you presented? You know, in terms of the cocktails. Oh man, it was it was it was great. It was really important. We decided almost uh, last minute because it is. I mean, it's easier now, but it's still really really difficult mm-hmm. to get everything planned. It's still very expensive, um, and we just went for it. We went down. Um, and the most beneficial part is because we know a lot about the history of Cuba and the history of Cuban cocktails and drinking culture there. But there's this large gap where we here don't know anything about what they're doing over there. So we really wanted to go down and see uh, how the bartenders were making these drinks that we were reading about and what they were actually drinking now, you know, 60 years later right. from when we last knew about it. Right. Yeah. Very important. We had to like see it with our own eyes because a lot of bartenders, like she had said, we all know about this history, but it nobody's seen it. Nobody's been able to talk to the bartenders and explain to them. And when we met a lot of bartenders, they were so surprised that we were one women bartenders and two just so interested <laughs> and. You know, they were really trying to wow us with their whiskey drinks. And we we're like, well, actually, we're in search of like the perfect daiquiri and rum drinks. And this is what we're doing. And they're like, why? Okay. I mean, <laughs> rum, you know, rum. Yeah. And well, I'm sure a lot of them have lost a little bit of that history along the way. Let's just remind our listeners um, what we're talking about when we talk about all this history. I mean, you know, talk about, first of all, we have to go back to 1920 and prohibition, right? I think that probably was the springboard. Yeah, that doubled their tourism. Americans visiting Cuba, specifically Havana, uh, yeah, just it doubled. It was crazy. The flights that they were offering and the deals and just the way they were promoting it. I think they were very smart, especially the brand Bacardi in kind of bringing people down there and saying, you know, get away from the dry land. Here's the beach. Come and have a drink Mm. with us. It's only two hours away. You yeah, can. gave new importance to booze crews. Right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of the uh, American talent, a lot of bartenders and bar owners just picked up everything they had. And, you know, Cuba was the closest place, went there and So they relocated their business. They, yeah. they moved out of the U.S. and, and opened their business. Some of them literally, literally took their like bars. Literally, like every actual. part of their bar picked it up and moved it <laughs> <Yes>. over. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, all you know, I just... I think everyone remembers the the scene out of The Godfather where, you know, it was the whole nightclub, you know, cocktail scene. But mm-hmm. that was post-prohibition. But it was still such the culture was still thick and heavy and everyone went to Cuba to, to party. Right. Um, there so much happened in during that um, the prohibition period. Um, bars built up and that's when that I mean there was such an architectural boom time in Cuba beautiful what was your reaction to uh, I mean, obviously things have, have deteriorated today a bit but what was your reaction when you got there were you did it, were you surprised or did it you know fulfill your expectations what about you know the art just walking down the streets it, I think it I mean it exceeded our expectations I think you know um, it's a really it's a beautiful environment and it's a very surreal environment um, because, because of obviously, you know, its place in history. 
um, or it's sort of like pit stop in history, you know, kind of yeah. compared to where we are. And, you know, this beautiful architecture right next to this weird Soviet-style architecture and all of it and this, uh, like, gorgeous Caribbean haze, but it's a little deteriorated, but it's still bright and gorgeous. I don't know. It's It was like being in a movie. It was very, like, something you would never think to see because it is such a scene that people have seen in books and television, and then you're actually there. Yeah. You don't know what to do with yourself. You're You're on a movie set, but not. Yeah. 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 I haven't had the opportunity to go, but, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Wanting to go soon before it gets, you know, too... You before know. everyone wants to go. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and, and I think that's already happening. They said that things have, there was something written there's because, of, you know, with the, um, you know, the trade opened up now and, the, and travel getting more open now, the influx of American tourists uh, have just been insurmountable in mm-hmm. terms of what they can how they can handle them that they've even run low on beer <laughs> oh really they're gonna, oh. Have to, they're gonna have to switch to rum <laughs> they have good beer they do yeah. high, well, high but but let's but let's switch over to rum and what you know that um so many of the cocktails that are classics from that era and you know the the cuban cocktail culture are really based on on rum what is it about the rum and there are so many types of rum just give me a rundown on rum uh, that's a whole other show, of course, because it has kind of a dark history as well. But um, but as far as the Cuban rum and the drinks, tell me a little bit about that and the, how it you know built up. And obviously the name that we'll all recognize, Bacardi, right? Uh, yeah, Bacardi was a big part of Cuban rum. I mean, before that, you know, you think of rum and pirates and it's kind of like this hot and oily molasses-based distillate that's just, you know, really full on. Well, you know, Bacardi got this great idea to use the continuous calm still that they were using to make Irish whiskey so light and wonderful. Mm -hmm. Uh, He took the combination of that and aging and then charcoal filtering so you could have this luscious, beautiful bodied rum that had some age on it, but you would take all the impurities out. And so it just, it was a real game changer for what rum is and was. It's you know, what created kind of a whole new people wanted to drink. Yeah. yeah, he was also working with a uh, French cognac distiller who was in Cuba. So they were using a completely different kind of yeast. They were using uh, quicker, lighter cognac yeast versus the slow, normal rum yeast. So they were getting this completely new product. And he was also, he was an amazing marketer. It was before people had labels, before rum was really bottled. And he knew that he needed to get people to recognize it as Bacardi's rum. So he, you know, put the bat label on it. He would sign every bottle and he he marketed it kind of for the first time and began the long history of Bacardi fighting for its trademarks Hmm. in various forms. It sounds like there's a a deep story in that one, too. Well, tell me, there is um, you mentioned the um, Havana Club rum. And but we can't really get that here, or at least not yet. No, not yeah. quite yet. And then that is where in lies that deep story of um, the back and forth between uh, Bacardi, Bacardi, Havana Club, Puerto Rico, Cuba, the United States government. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah, who invented the pina colada? Who invented the mojito? It's, it's really <laughs> dirty, dirty stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. Um, tell me what's but is is Havana Club so different? 
well, no, the style is still the same. You have, you know, your French style rums, your English style, and then your Spanish style. So everything that they're doing is along those lines. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it is, um, you know, you want what you can't have. Right. You- yeah. So we love to bring it back when we travel anytime you go, you know, Havana Club is basically the well of the world. But when we travel, we love to bring it back. Like you go to... Tokyo or, Mm -hmm. you know, London or wherever, and they just have it there. And then it's our contraband and we love to bring it back and give it as (laughs) gifts to people. It's, you know, coveted. Right. Yeah. Um, Well, you mentioned that when you told people that you were bartenders, of course, there was, you know, people were a little shocked in Cuba. I mean, two women going who were bartenders. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But the but bartending has probably a better organized history in Cuba than it does in many places else. I mean, they've been they what I had read is that they had been organized since, um, you know, as a not a union necessarily, but organized bartenders since about the early 20s, since probably when everyone was coming down for prohibition around 1924, maybe. Yeah. Um, and had this manual, a manual of over 1100 recipes with footnotes. Tell me about that. Yeah, we found we found their um well, they have like a bartender's guild, and we found someone pointed us in the direction of the manual, the guide, and it is, you know, it's a normal size book, a very, very tiny print with uh, every cocktail you could think of listed, and every single one pretty much has a footnote, and they try to give you as much of a history as they can on it, um, from classic classics to I think they have like sex on the beach in there and stuff. Just every single Everything cocktail. You can think yeah, they it. added to it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the version we got, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the the old cocktails. Now, mint juleps, we know, have been around since the you know early 18th century or mid-18th century. But what about some of these um, classically Cuban cocktails? What's the oldest one that you can, that comes to mind that you can think of? Well, there's... During our history and going back and all the wars they had, there's the original Cuba Libre, which has nothing to do with Coca-Cola at Mm -hmm. all. Um, And we just found that, you know, honey played a big part in their cocktails for a long time. So that was really interesting. And on our travels, we went to a bar and they had, what was it on the menu? Oh, my God. Yeah. So we we kind of found some really old cocktails as we traveled around. Um, All of these bars had epic lists of just classics on classics of you know just anything from manhattan's the sex on the beaches uh what okay stop what is sex on the beaches uh that well that's a (laughs) vodka based cocktail so that's just they you know i think some of the things that were popular here in the 70s and 80s somehow kind of slipped slipped over there but they had strange you know manhattan variants and just all sorts of stuff that we kind of forgot during that time when the sex on the beaches and the tequila sunrises were so popular um so but we found out that there is this amazing honeysuckle variation yeah it's called a conchanchara the name was escaping me for a second it was um just a combination of rum and citrus and honey that they drank a lot during uh the seven year war was that that one? Or the three-year. That, well, the Lots Spanish. Lots of wars. Yeah, we're yeah, trying yeah, to get which, the Spanish out. Yes, trying to get away from the Spanish. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, you and you have, so you serve a, var- a variation at the bar. 
with honeysuckle? We do honeysuckle, or there are many variations, bee's knees if you're making it with gin. You can kind of sub all these things in, and that's definitely what makes a classic is you have these formulas that you can put in, but a lot of them did start with rum. So, All right. Um, you know, it's interesting because we talked about how the, the culture really boomed during Prohibition, um, but then it continued, as, as we saw in the, you know, as I say, in, in whatever film clips you can see of, you know, of Cuba and Havana, and you know, I've always they've always t- taken place in nightclubs and bars. But, um, but then, of course, the revolution came in '59, and that must have changed the the cocktail culture a bit because they were not getting a lot of the the liquors that um, imports that they needed for some of the cocktails. What so what what happened then? Is there anything in particular that occurred? Rum probably became very important at the drinks at that point. Yeah, I feel like then, uh, you know, a lot became under the government control. That was something that we noticed when we were there, even getting our daiquiris and what we were looking for. Everything is kind of pasteurized and goes through the government. So I feel like a lot of the daiquiris and things we had, even though it was the same recipe as so many years ago, definitely tasted different to us. Uh, I'm sure their recipes had to change because of this. Hmm. Interesting. Well, we're going to talk about some more of these specific cocktails and punch bowls when we come back. Today's program is brought to you by Consider Bardwell Farm. Consider Bardwell Farm is a sustainable pasture-based dairy farm, making award-winning raw cow and goat's milk cheeses in a not-too-far corner of Vermont. For Consider Bardwell, sustainability means caring for the land, raising their animals well, reducing waste, and helping their community, all in the name of happy animals and people and delicious cheeses. Consider Bardwell Farm is proud to support Heritage Radio Network as part of their food and farming community and a proud sponsor of all good conversations had over a great cheese. Find them at your local cheese counter, at New York City Green Markets, and online at considerbardwellfarm.com. Okay, we're back on A Taste of the Past, and I am talking with Jane Danger and Ala Lapushik. They um, have written this wonderful book called Cuban Cocktails, and based on uh, the bar Cienfuegos in the East Village in Manhattan. Now, you took a trip, we talked about your trip to Cuba, and 
unlike most people, you did not stop at Havana. You went directly to the southern coast. Um, tell us about that, a place that probably nobody knew existed. Yeah, we, we flew into San Fuegos on their one flight a week. <laughs> um, <laughs> Better not miss that day. No. <laughs> and uh, so it is actually a town on, on the coast. It is. It's, it's a, a Cuban resort town. Um, uh, lots of French Canadians seem to go there. Surprisingly, yes. Yeah. It's their popular destination of choice. Um, so we flew into there, rented a car, and spent a couple days exploring San Fuegos, which is the namesake of the bar. And and it means? A hundred fires. A hundred mm-hmm. fires. Okay. Um, yeah, it was beautiful there. It's It's a very, I mean, obviously it's a resort town in what's already a really gorgeous place. So it's it's kind of next level. Um, met some really great bartenders there. Visited some nice places. Now, why did what led you? I mean, obviously the bar was, was San Fuegos, and whose idea was that? And what so what led you to go there? Well, during the course of writing the book, neither of us had been to Cuba, and we just felt doing it justice and seeing the modern state of cocktails there, and being able to really explain to people what is going on because a lot of you know references we were looking to are just outdated and it didn't seem substantial enough for us and we were like just it's our personalities as well as we're like no we have to know ourselves we're <laughs> we're going let's get us on a plane let's let's do this so it's kind of scary just arriving in cuba and not knowing what to do with yourself we're like okay well what do we do now uh-huh. yeah we find out where to rent a car okay. isn't there a town nearby a very famous name Oh, well, if we're going to be heading to the southeast a bit more, that's where, right outside, there's a beach, the Daiquiri. The Daiquiri, Yeah, (laughs) out of uh, Santiago de Cuba. So we didn't get to venture that way. After our stay in uh, Cienfuegos, we ended up driving straight through the middle of the country and going northwest to head to Havana, where we just got to see all sorts of terrain. And there is no Google Maps there or anything, so we kind of took to the road, and that was a real adventure. Yeah. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. Um, and what I loved is that you mentioned in the book that um, you would drive through the outskirts of town where there were more horses and horse carts on the road than there were cars, right? Yeah, and those oh horses God. were none too pleased with no. us. No. So many dirty looks from horses. <laughs> in rage, road rage from a horse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. I've never comp- competed for road space with a horse. I don't... I don't know how to do it right. (laughs) Well, you mentioned that some of the bartenders were surprised that you wanted to, that you asked about some of those, the old, old fashioned, not an old fashioned, but old fashioned drinks, old classic drinks. Um, So what is the modern culture today? What are they, what's, what's going on with the, with the cocktail culture today? Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of complicated. Some of the bars we went to that were attempting to do what was you know kind of like new for them was very miami-ish yeah there are lots of like you know kind of blue curacao and these experimental techniques which is really amazing but you know kind of not necessarily what we were looking for uh but it was you know fun to see their evolution and where where they're trying to go yeah their their fascination with uh like the new stuff is equivalent to our fascination with the old stuff so tried to tried to meet in the middle somewhere and that's and that's really interesting i think that's that's an interesting um discovery you mm-hmm. know to find out that it's you know where we can maybe be mired in the in the past and trying to make that cool again they're just 
they really want to be cool with the new. Right? Yeah. So, well, speaking of the past, we we couldn't talk about Cuban cocktail culture without having some of those big names attached to you know those the heyday and uh, pictures of of and stories and tales, of course, of Ernest Hemingway, of uh, you know holding up the bar. So, uh, mention a couple of those. Uh, Enlighten well, us. <laughs> yeah, he's famous for you know. There's a series of drinks. Um, that go along with a daiquiri named after him, the Hemingway daiquiri, which is a great blend of uh, white rum, maraschino liqueur, which is made from cherry pits, so it's funky and has a little bit of cherry flavor. It's very aromatic. Fresh lime juice, fresh grapefruit, dash of sugar. Well, you know, Hemingway being who he is, uh, pretty much all the sugar was taken out, uh, the rum was doubled, uh, the juice was taken down a bit, and it was frozen. So that was his style, the Papa Doble, which he was famous for sitting and drinking, you know, 14 in a in a seating too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's definitely... De- definitely have to hold on to the bar for that. Yeah. yeah. They are very refreshing, though. We actually went to the bar where he drank them and stood near his giant brass, you know... Sat next to the statue yeah. that had Papa Doble. <laughs> we ended up in a lot of Japanese tourist photos because we got those prime <laughs> seats right there. So, <laughs> Well, actually, I read your recipe that you have in the book for the Papa Doblas, and tell us what that is, because it sound, to me, it sounded like a deliciously refreshing drink. It is very... We scaled it a little to not necessarily Hemingway's spec. We added a little bit of sugar and a little more of the fresh grapefruit, which that's another one next to pineapple juice. You need fresh grapefruit because the sweetness that comes along with that Mm. is so crucial. It's so key. And then, yeah, you just, you blend that all up and it's the perfect, you know, so it's a, it's a rum, rum, grapefruit juice and, and lime white and rum. maraschino. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And so that's, okay. that's a great one for summer any time of year. Hopefully yeah. I'll be drinking one of those soon. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah. the mojito, which we listened to you mixing up, but you didn't do it here. I, I should have. <laughs> next, right. next time. Uh, bring, bring the rum. And I want to thank uh, my assistant, Kat Johnson, for getting that wonderful tape. Tough job, Kat. You had to go to a bar. Right? <laughs> and she got to drink the uh, the product, right? She said it was good. It was very good. Um, uh, but tell, there is quite a history on that because mint, I mean, we're talking about suddenly in cocktails using herbs that previously were used for medicinal purposes. So uh, mojito was, do you, I mean, what's the, what's the, oh, yeah. I mean, that? they're like, when we went there, that was, like I said before, something we didn't expect to find to be so delicious but especially their mint there's something so special about it it's like it's very wild and has this other kind of spearminty and it did feel when we drank the mojito it was very uplifting and it just it was like a healthy tonic the cuban mojito mm-hmm. so that is there any is there any background tracing on how old that drink is it was just sort of was a, a natural thing that people did so who's to know yeah i mean a little of both right i mean mint was medicine alcohol was medicine they were using it to take care wow it makes me feel so good yeah take care of stomach (laughs) ailments um a lot of sailors were doing that because obviously you know when you're traveling on a boat your stomach gets a little messed up i guess sometimes yeah a little queasy so they you know there's tried to trace it back to where it came from it could possibly be from sir francis drake's boat they were they were drinking something called the drake which was rum and well aguadente and mint so it goes back a long time yeah that yeah. indeed that's it, it's interesting that something like that is well obviously that makes it a classic it has staying power yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes definitely um and what about um well the famous bar the florida 
uh, that's where Hemingway hung out, right? That's yeah, where the you, La Florita, yeah. yeah, originally the La Florita, silver pineapple. Yeah. Yep, changed that name because the drink was so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so the, the name the, the name of the drink is now the silver pineapple, or, or the it Floridita? was before, and then they changed it to the La Florita because there's a series within the Hemingway Daiquiri where there are all kinds of modifications. Where there's one without the grapefruit juice, so. As we said, with staying power in these formulas where you can sub in different things, that's definitely up there with the Hemingway daiquiri and nice. the series of cocktails. There are some stories uh, about Errol Flynn. What, what's, what's going on there with Errol Flynn in Cuba? Um, yeah, we, Errol Flynn loved Cuba. <laughs> um, he, you know, he went there on his honeymoon and abandoned his new bride on the boat while he ran around tearing it up. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, and big he's fan. he's yeah, definitely a big fan of Cuba and uh the rum and the rum and coke. There are some good stories about him kind of being the culprit behind those two being mixed together because that was so popular. When we went there, of course, there was no Coca-Cola to be found, so they have a substitute which was not quite the same. Yeah. Which, but it was you know. a cola that they would mix with. Yeah, them. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, the rum and we, rum and coke is it was we, we can be like Errol Flynn and drink a rum and coke. Yes, many <laughs> rum and cokes, many 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 many. many, many. Um, and of course, um, the I, what I just found out from I guess it was from your book on July nineteenth is National Daiquiri Day. I think I, so, or the seventeenth, nineteenth, maybe something. I think. Well, I brought it from. I got it out of your book. Yes, so. <laughs> it's, da- it's daiquiri season, though. Yeah, it's okay. mid mid July is the day you should. Everyone should have a daiquiri. <laughs> I'm going to put it on my calendar. For yes. Sure. Okay. Um, well, uh, and I'm thinking about um, oh, highballs, or, or rum or gin, Rickies. I mean, something that we've sort of forgotten about a lot in this country. I mean, thanks to bars like yours, they're you know they're getting a. Uh, rebirth and renaissance um what and that was a that started in cuba yeah quite quite a popular tipple i mean that's definitely i think it's is that the national drink in dc it might be (laughs) yeah that's you know we're thinking very little sugar it's basically your kind of daiquiri spec but you do it long and we saw lots of drinks there and it's amazing they still kind of do everything even when they're making a highball with the bar spoon pouring the soda down into it and stirring it around before they hand you to drink and everything's very proper with the tongs and putting the lime on the side. Mm-hmm. But so. isn't that all part of the the magic too? I mean, yeah. that's, you know, that technique is, it just makes it special because after all, you're taking all these same ingredients, but it's the combination of them that just yeah, it's makes... it's very much like baking, the idea of you can layer so many things yeah. and it depends mm-hmm. on what you do. And that's where kind of things like punch come in, where you'll have the same ingredients, but punch is traditionally not shaken. It would be a stirred, left to sit over a large piece of ice for many hours while everyone imbibed kind of deal, and you get two very different beverages out of the same ingredients. Well, punch, as we know, has quite a long history, if you've listened to a couple of my shows in the past. (laughs) Show number 44. (laughs) Okay. Um, And... The and we know that punch preceded any cocktail that was ever made, right? Oh yeah, it's yeah. back there with you know again sailors bringing things around the world with the grog that was you know lime and rum and water that basically kind of evolved into a daiquiri and and then punch that came around. Um, 
it's just kind of amazing to see how things travel the world. Right. And you serve punch at Cienfuegos. We do. We do big punch bowls and single serving. Um, punch isn't necessarily just the vessel itself. It's a style of drink that needs to have... Well, plant, I think of planter's punch right away. Oh, yes. Yes. So there you would have... You need the spirit, you need a sweetener, you need a citrus, you need a water, and then or, or ice, or club soda, uh, and then you need uh, some sort of spice. And a lot of times they would use Angostura bitters, which is in the planter's punch, or other classic. They just love to take a big piece of nutmeg and grate it over the top, and it adds so much. And another kind of stimulating, you know, additive. But you do use punch bowls when you're doing multiple servings. Oh, we you, do, yes. Oh, what a fun idea. Yeah, to yes. bring back the punch bowl and gather around. All right. uh, we would be remiss if we did not talk about El Presidente. And I think that a lot of people sort of consider that the, you know, the Cuban cocktail. It's definitely a great showcase for the possibilities of rum. Most things we've spoke about before today are, you know, you're thinking shaken, beach drink. This is more serious. This is, you know, really showcasing a beautiful spirit. It's basically, you know, kind of a, a rum martini. It's It's got that staying power, um, has a little dash of, you know, homemade grenadine to just give it some nice roundness and a little bit of sweetness. And it showcases this, you know, beautiful distilled white rum. Uh, and, yeah, it has, you know, an amazing history going back from when I believe a New York bartender went down to Havana to help open a hotel. Yeah, and the the president came to stay. He made a drink for him to commemorate the stay. And then he was deposed a little bit afterwards and so he changed the drink just slightly and made it a new drink and you know yeah so we're talking about the night early 1920s yeah it was yeah the so second president of the second republic of cuba kind of yeah, yeah. machado yeah yeah garcia de yeah <laughs> you have to look kind of look in that like, book yeah. <laughs> look in that history book right um yeah i mean that's so it's a refined a ref, more of a refined cocktail as opposed to a lot of these. Yeah, definitely know, one of our favorites spoilings. and something that we've seen reoccurring here on more menus. Uh, I'm, I'm very glad that rum is being taken seriously and not just thought of. I mean, I love tiki cocktails, don't get me wrong, but a good sipping rum or, you know, a solid rum stirred drink is something to really be enjoyed. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, we wouldn't have even called it a tiki cocktail if it weren't for the fact that then we couldn't go to cuba anymore and we had to recreate that experience here in america right it's, yeah that's that's very very interesting um white rum as opposed to dark rum talk about that a little bit well it's you know sometimes it doesn't really have too much to do with uh, age it's you know rum right now is still a category that's a little fast and loose there are regulations along the lines of um, agricole rums, which are have to be made from fresh sugarcane juice and, you know, come from French islands. But then you get into some of the other places and islands and, uh, you know, it's a little bit like, well, what's an amber rum? What's, you know, there are all these different things and it still can be very experimental. It's, you know, there are a lot of new American rums, great ones coming from Oni's out here in Brooklyn and St. George in San Francisco. And uh, yeah, the rules aren't fully set yet, so it's still a really fun category and you get to try all these different things but uh, a lot of dark rums it's not against the law to add back in caramel or molasses mm. or any form of sugar mm. to kind of add body to things so 
definitely when you're going through and tasting things, you have to kind of swirl the glass and sniff through it and kind of see what's going on there with these rums. Yeah, that's what I wondered about the, the difference in taste in particular and mixability. Yeah. If that's what you say. That's yeah, true. <laughs> I mean, at Cienfuegos and Mother of Pearl, we have many, many rums, and it's something a lot of people do is where you kind of make your own blend. You can take a little bit of a Jamaican rum and a little bit of a Guyanese rum and maybe, you know, a splash of some Puerto Rican rum and make your own blend. And that's what a lot of tiki cocktails are. Hmm. You're getting up there in five, six, seven rums. Wow. I have yeah. five in my zombie recipe, so that we put in the book. <laughs> I guess that's why they call it a zombie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Indeed. Right. Well, uh, there's one. There are names that, are, that have as much historic connotation as, you know, as the drink, too. And... One is the um, Southern Smith or the the Cross, or is it the Southern Cross? Southern Cross. Yeah. Southern Cross. Um, what what's the significance of that? Do you? Oh well, that that one kind of has a varied history as well. We found some really great recipes online when we were researching, and uh, that one was a lot of fun to kind of go through. And I mean, it was named after the the, the constellation, yes. the constellation of the cross. So everyone was referring to this constellation they would stare at in the sky, and um, I guess it made them a little loopy, and so they named a drink after it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have some references from the the flowing bowl in uh, 1891, and then you think on to uh, 1927. But definitely, it's uh, along the lines of one of those classic specks that you think maybe the margarita might have sprung from. You have the lime and then some kind of citrus liqueur. So that's another classic. You're thinking sidecar with rum. You're thinking between the right. sheets. You've got wow. these drinks that kind of go in line with all of those. So, wow. so it's it's interesting. Again, there's a, just a few ingredients, but it's all about the layering. It's all about... Yeah, the balance much, yeah, of what you're balance. doing, stirring versus shaking, all that kind of stuff. Even glassware is very important. Certain drinks, you want to sit on that piece of ice. Certain drinks like daiquiris, you do not. You want to drink rapidly. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. All right. How much of today's cocktail culture do you can we attribute to the Cuban influence do you think i mean do, is it real did it really have an effect on on our cocktail culture today do you feel i mean i think so i think it even just because it kept it alive during prohibition right you know otherwise it would have gone completely across the atlantic and how would we get it back right. so easily um and you know a lot of it a lot of cocktails their stems are in that sort of Caribbean style of making drinks. Like Tiki's stem got its balance in there. Um, so I think it's got a big influence, whether it's direct or indirect. It kept it going. Yeah, it was good to keep it so close to home, that, that flame kind of going that people went down and they were able to come back so quickly and uh, kind of, you know, we could see it in the style. Everyone, all the bartenders, modern day there, they were in their vests and ties and they're kind of dandies and they kind of kept that going as well. It was very stylized as well as, you know, classic and very thoughtful about the, the cocktail itself. But just some of the bars we went to were like the speakeasies here in New York. Kind mm-hmm. of, we went to a cool, like dark dungeon <laughs> bar <laughs> that had a big wine cellar and they wanted to show us all that kind of stuff. So that's, that's, that got it, huh? Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing that I, I, 
I see that you've done such a great job with is taken a lot of these classic drinks too and sort of made them your own um, at the bars, um, as many mixologists will do, you know, create their own. But yet you really pay homage to, to the classics in them. But a drink that I know could easily become one of my favorite is the May Day that you make with rhubarb. That sounded just wonderful to me. Yeah, we're coming up on that right now. Yeah. We're going to be putting that back on the menu. And that's one of my series of cocktails. And when we were writing this book, I showed it to Ala, and she thought that it was a great idea to put it in. Uh, Aperol and rhubarb bitters. Uh, we use a rum agricole, which is really nice and gives it kind of funk and some backbone, a lot of character in those agricole rums. Uh so no, when you say the agricultural rums, so these are more, um, for lack of a better word, rustic, but farm produced? or Yeah, you get a lot of you know fresh yeast coming off of that sugarcane, mm-hmm. unadulterated sugarcane juice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's just so much character. And uh, we're actually going to be going to Martinique tomorrow, or Guadeloupe and Martinique, to learn some more about these amazing rums that... Wow! Yeah, so that'll be a whole new a whole new batch of drinks. Uh, another okay. adventure <laughs> for us. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Well, it's, it's it sounds wonderful, and what an exciting thing to do to to travel to travel around to find the sources for all these drinks that we consider, you know, part of our regular cocktail lexicon. And I think it makes me want to go to San Fuegos, and of course, Mother Pearl and Ala. Do you have post office? A oh, post OTB. office and OTB. Yeah. Right. Right. Of course. Well, thank you both for sharing the history and the recipes <laughs> and taking time out to, uh, to share the, the, a little bit of a history of the Cuban cocktail culture as well. Thank you. And thank you for listening. This has been A Taste of the Past, and I'm your host, Linda Palaccio. I'd like to thank again my assistant, Kat Johnson, and, of course, as always, my wonderful engineer, Dave Tadashore. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.